And welcome to episode 197 of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I am your host, Commander Pierre, because my bladder is empty. And joining me in the orange sidewinder for this episode, we have Commander Ben Moss Woodward, Commander Aidley Weiss. I like sucking on cold things. We have Commander Shan. Hello. I'm sorry I have to force you to follow that, Shan, I really am. We have... I, th- I think I nearly broke Shan there, didn't I? No. Dab. <laughs> you're not going to break Shan. If he was able to put up with the six degrees of separation, you're not going to be able to break it. Well, it's only down to one and a half degrees now, isn't it? I, probably... I have no idea what you've done. But we do have also Commander Dr. Toxic. Who's no, also we don't. I'm running the... away right now. He's also handling a lot of the, the technical and hosting things, so if he sounds a little stressed, you now know why. And we also have Commander Kurgel. Hey, good evening, everyone. So we've got a, we've got a reasonably full crew today. So if you wish, you can join us live. We're hanging out in-game. I take it around Lave Station. Yep. You can take oh, it around yeah. Lave Station if you want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if, if you can't get to us in game, we're also in the Twitch chat channel, which you can access through leaveradio.com slash live. Click on the live chat. And, of course, we're on Twitch TV slash leaveradio. So, quickly going around the crew, because we have uh, probably a lot of uh, things to discuss, and I can, I can feel Commander Shan's soapboxes warming up, even as I speak. <laughs> We'll start with Commander Ben Mosswoodwood. How have you been for the last week? I've been... I've actually been really good. Um, yet more stuff on the DOI front. We've got some more flooring down. We've got a lovely squeak, which I don't think we were expecting. And I don't know if I can be asked to fix, but we'll... Maybe just... it'll Maybe it'll settle in. But at the moment, when I walk along my daughter's radiator, it goes squeak, squeak, squeak. Um, Why are you walking on the radiator? Get, well, walking past the radiator, actually. I was hoping no one was going to notice I said that. Um, I know. And she's she's also got sparkly bits on her walls, thanks to my wife. And yeah, so we we are that that's all progressing forwards nicely. I'm I'm also gently melting, and oh, and I managed to break my strimmer too. So that was fun. Right. Okay. Thank you for the uh, the DIY podcast. Uh, moving on, Doctor Toxic. What have you been up to for the last week? I've been not breaking my petrol tools. Um, been out playing with lawnmower, cutting grass for myself and my various sisters. I've got dotted around town. Um, then did a barbecue yesterday in the heat and enjoyed having a bask. Yes, it wasn't really gamer weather this weekend, really, has it? <laughs> Let's be honest. No, that's been lovely. It's been lovely. Spend my time outside. 
<laughs> it's good for testing your overclock, though, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. God, System yes. stability yeah. and all that. I heard something about you doing some bouncing around as well. Yeah, I was. Um, my sister had the bouncy castle out yesterday at the barbecue. I didn't really notice that much because I was the one beside the barbecue roasting away. <laughs> uh, I think we've all been there. Commander Shan, what have you been up to for the last week or so? Um, in game, I have uh, found my own little Goldilocks system, which is earning me a nice amount of money. There I are. Um, so I've been doing missions and stuff there. Uh, out of game, uh, I've been out on my bike but early in the mornings because it's just been too darn hot to go out too far. Mm-hmm. Um, what else have been doing? Cutting. Ah, oh, sorry. I started. I've been watching the gardener cut the lawn, which is very tiring. Um, and uh, Mrs. Shan is away this week in the Lake District, so I have the house all to myself. So it's late night gaming for everyone. Excellent. Excellent. Commander Kurgle, how have you been? I've been good. I actually took the weekend off uni work for the bank holiday so i've been relaxing bit of board gaming and myself dr toxic commander temperagore and commander cooled have spent more hours than i would like to admit running uh wing missions over the weekend that's commander cool ed uh, i'm i'm jealous i'm jealous uh well personally yes we've because it was all sunny, that meant there's there's not been much game in-game work. To be honest, uh, it's mostly been outside enjoying this horror, this this large ball of fire that suddenly appeared in the sky. Uh, it's, it's very unusual up here in Manchester. But in-game, I did discover um, where the Aegis megaships are, and um, I have discovered a way to do. Thargoid massacre missions, which actually pay a decent amount of money, so that I can make a profit without actually losing ships. So I'm quite chuffed at the moment. I'm, I'm docked up to the Vanguard, at, uh, which is a little bit further away than Leave. So uh, yes, um, I've actually had quite an enjoyable and profitable week. Don't you think the uh, Aegis mega ships are like just a target waiting to happen? You know, but like in in dating me now, but Wing Commander Three with a Unveil this mega cannon that's going to destroy the Kilrathi, and you just oh, know it's going to get posted. Yeah, yeah, um, yes, you do get that impression, don't you? Mind you, all the mega ships seem to be quite subset, uh, <laughs> easy to hit by targoids. <laughs> um, yeah, because we're coming across quite a lot of these me- mega freighter ships which have been destroyed due to Thargoid activity, uh, and you know, um, what you're supposed to do. I mean, I'm involved with the uh, the anti-Xeno League, or, or whoever they are, and uh, we're trying to knock out as many of those marauders in, in the two systems that uh, the Eagle Eye Network have highlighted. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see whether we've been successful this week. We managed to stop one last week, but we'll, we'll see how we've done this week. So... We're going to move on to the development news. Now, the big development news that um, I think that we all want to talk about, we'll talk about later. So the uh, the Beyond Focus Feedback Forums, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss that later on. So we're going to just touch on some of the smaller development news that we've had on lately. So um, first things first is Frontier is going to reevaluate how long it takes to unlock Guardian weapons. Now, 
there was stuff on the forums about this taking what's you have to repeat the same mission 16 times uh, i guess you've got a lot of experience with this commander code um yeah i mean i think it's a good thing i think that the for me i've actually avoided that part of the game because i felt like it was too much of an investment of time for too little reward what i think it's definitely good they're reducing it but it depends how they do it because i'm not sure it, as many people realize but when you do the the running around thing you know to get the ball to pop up it's the first person who scans it gets the gets the scan so if you have a wing of you for four people doing the the pillars the first one to scan it gets the scan and no one else does so it means if you do it in a wing it takes you four times as long because you have to wait your turn. So it's kind of counterproductive to do it together. Mm. And I kind of hope they change that so that everyone in the vicinity of the ball gets the stuff because otherwise, you know, you're hampering yourself, aren't you, by being in a, by being in a wing. You might as well do it solo. And you would have thought because everything has been the emphasis on enhancing wings for this release, I, th- I would have thought they would have, yeah done something about that make it more attractive to do it in a wing yeah i mean i I totally agree with that and i think i really regret that the thing that we really enjoyed about doing the the first sort of guardian site ruins was we did it as a group we were horsing around in srvs okay being in a wing didn't actually help us but it also didn't hinder us and um i that's one of the reasons we haven't gone and done the second batch of guardian ruins is we would do it as a group activity, and it, it literally is worse to do it a group. Although, thinking about it, the Thargoid machine, that only gives the link information, doesn't it, to the first person who scans the device once it's been primed. Yes, that's right. So, yeah, it, it's... I don't know how they, they, they could do that in a different way, to be honest, as far as the, the Thargoid machine is concerned. I mean, it's, it's just a, a one-off... And as soon as one person in the wing knows it, but it, they don't get a reward for doing that kind of thing. It's, it's mostly just uh, we gain intelligence for where the next hit is going to be. Yes, but it's nice to get something out of it that, you know, even if it doesn't sound like much or even if it's all been solved, if you wanted to solve the puzzle yourself, mm-hmm. then you kind of have to rely on the niceness of the other people in the chamber not to uh, blag it for you. Yeah, but yeah. So if it's just reducing the amount you need, then I kind of maybe. But I think changing the mechanics is better. Encouraging you to do it in a group, I think, is is a better way of doing it than just simply reducing the numbers you need. Mm. I mean, this was part of a post that Sandro put up about also altering the uh, the crime and punishment settings for friendly fire and things like that. So all this stuff should be coming in three point one, but I don't think they're doing a focused feedback on it, are they? No, I don't think so. It's not on the list that Ed put up last week. No, no. Right. Well, um, the other thing that was discussed was that uh, the Frontier um, are considering bringing back the player-created content, which normally normally concerns player-created CGs. Now, um, who would like to discuss that? Um, well, I never caught the player-created community goals the first time round, so I don't know what kind of success or lack of it they achieved. But I kind of like the idea of 
you know, as a woolly idea, I like the idea of players being able to contribute content. You only have to look at the community's commitment to producing quality websites, tools, podcasts, all sorts of media for the game. It would be really nice if we could see more of that getting actually into them, actually like putting their own installations in some of the systems they've attacked or that we're not finding their installations anywhere. Or it'd be nice to interact with some of their bigger installations if you know what i mean while it's just fighters in USSs dotted around the bubble i think it is very easy for that content to go missed by a lot of people that play the game casually and don't necessarily stick glued to the forums or whatever yeah because when you think of an invasion you usually think of an invasion and occupation yeah yeah because at the moment it's a little bit like and I mean, a little bit pc here but um, it's a little bit like saying Nazi Germany invaded Britain in 1940 in the Battle of Britain. Well, they didn't. They just, you know, they bombed things and went home again. You know, it's it's, it's not really an invasion as we would understand it. It's just poking poking the bear and running back again. It does seem to be that kind of behaviour at the moment. Uh, I mean, obviously Frontier have said that 3.1 it- this is going back to the expo, but they said that 3.1 and 3.2, that's going to be narrative updates. So we're just going to have to say, we'll have to wait and see what narrative unfolds. So yeah, I was just thinking, I know for last year's LaveCon, we wanted to have a, a CG all tied in with LaveCon and all related in with the Ambassadors ball that Alan was arranging and things like that. And we came up with what could have been a really exciting idea, um, but then due to technical limitations, it basically had to be turned into a Deliver Rares CG. And I am, I know that we've got you know, all these different templates and things like that. Oh, yes, yeah, the templates. But yeah. it feels like, okay, well, your CGs can basically be Deliver Rares, Bulk Trade, Bounty Hunt, Rinse, yes. Repeat. Yeah. And for the community stuff, we need more... It would be great if we can get more flexibility so it's not the same things time after time. Yeah, I must admit, I mean, I'm quite frustrated because some of the times I'd think it would be great to have um, some kind of trading CG and some kind of pirate CG where you'd have to read... Uh, some of the traders, I mean, and I know that there are ways that you could mm. get around. It doesn't have to be done in open, but uh, as long as there are NPCs carrying the same items that you can pirate, then I, I wouldn't oh, see there'd be a my... problem with it. Sorry, Colin, I thought you'd finished. Yeah, go on. No, I'm finished. Uh, my favourite, one of my favourites time, at least in game, was when the Federals were building their mega ship, and... I didn't want to encourage the Federals to get yet more mega ships. So I was like, no, you got enough. So I went off and did some piracy in that system in the name of roleplay, basically. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, you, I'm interdicting people. This is a, a, a search, and def- uh, search and seizure operation, whatever you want to call it. If you're carrying these things for the CG, please deposit them here and I'll let you go about your way. Mm-hmm. And I would love for that to be buttons that Frontier could actually go off and push in-game. Not 
not the whole okay, well, whoever fills the bucket faster wins. Yeah. But okay, fine. These guys are that. these guys are delivering these things, and these guys are stopping them from delivering it. And yeah, you're right. You can go into open, or you go sorry, you can go into private or solo to avoid the people interdicting. But well, see, I would also have NPCs interdicting and doing the same thing too. Oh yeah, I mean that that was the that's the kind of thing I was suggesting. The problem is you'd still you'd still need to have a kind of who could fill the bucket faster, who could fill the bucket full of traded goods versus who could st- fill the bucket full of pirated goods. And it also have to be at the same station so that yeah. it couldn't be UA bombed. What about, what about almost like a CG that wins if you stop the other CG from winning? You see what I'm getting at? Yeah, well, that's what um, that there was a whole load of CGs like that um, that happened in the Pleiades before two point four came out. But you know, mm-hmm. the Federal versus the Empire conflict. To me, it actually seemed to work okay. But um, a lot of people seem to get bored with the CG comparison quite quickly. Yeah, Commander Kurgle, have you got something? Yeah, just um, to go back a point about like the complexity of the missions that they do with CGs. I think part of that problem lies in they don't have like an end-to-end process for their NPCs, do they? You don't have a guy that spawns at a station, grabs some cargo, flies to another system and drops the cargo or performs any of the other tasks. They're instanced into the place that you're at, like in real time. They don't, they never left a station and they'll never dock somewhere, if you know what I mean. And it is a bit of a shame that the, that the NPC simulator running alongside the player's doesn't have that extra depth. It's something I sort of bitterly regret didn't ever make it into the game, if you like. Yeah. So, um, in other development, well, in other development news, um, there's been a PC Gamer article, which was in the, the print version uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I think last month, uh, is now available on their website about how Frontier go from a rough sketch of a, of a, of a ship to the final model. Uh, and how it all comes in. Uh, it did seem to be a very good article. Um, I don't think it went to, into as much depth as some people were wanting. Uh, so, Ben, did you read this? Yeah, I read it, and as you say, it's a good article. Uh, as you also say, it doesn't go into as much depth. There was something that I could swear I remember Frontier talking about, which about the how much they model the ships even though we don't have elite feet, how much they model things for as preparation work, I guess you could say, for the future content. And that wasn't mentioned anywhere in the article, which I thought was a bit of a shame. Or it would have been nice that they could reassure us that they're doing us that. Yeah, Um, I'm sure I remember the same thing as you, Ben. Um, Whether it was on one of their live streams or something, I'm absolutely positive they used to say, when we model our ships, we do all of the interior so that we don't have a whole bunch of work ahead of us in the future when we implement space legs or, you know, whatever future features we haven't imagined yet. And um, I, can't f- I can't find for the life of me where that reference was from. Yeah. Um, it was back in, it was back in the, um, I think, way back when when they were doing 1.5 and the, the original build of 2.0. 1.5 is when we got all the ships, or the vast majority of the ships that were missing from the original build into the system. Uh, and I think it was a, a, an interview with David Brabham then 
but oh, don't quote me on that. I've just got these vague, vague memories. Um, but overall, it, it was a good, um, it was a good article. Shan? Like you, uh, Colin, I was scratching my head over where it was said. And I think it was in an a article uh, by David that said about how they've modelled the um, interior of the ship. And I think it was uh, shown alongside that now famous cutaway of the damaged anaconda, showing all the compartments. So that was uh, a lot, long time ago then. I, I think so. Now, how much of it is actually memory and wishful thinking? I'm not sure. But that did surprise me, that not being mentioned in the article. But then again... Maybe they have modelled the interior, but at such a low level of detail, they didn't think it was worth telling us because it's placeholder and they didn't want to get our expectations of elite feet or whatever up by using placeholders. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the the, the, the thin walking lines that they've got to, uh, got to consider because basically if you mention uh, anything about walking around a spaceship, everybody will, go, will just jump on that instead of looking at the rest of the article. Um, it, it does seem to cause an awful lot of traffic on the on both Reddit and the forum. Um, it's obviously a feature that's still wanted, and there's, if there's any hint of it, people just jump on it, both detractors and people who are more positive. I want to be able to get out of my pilot seat and to walk ten feet over there and to put my damn coffee machine on. That is the reason I own Anaconda. I want to meet you in Lave Station Bar. Now, there is something I that I... I to tell you the truth... Uh, to tell you the truth, Kurgle, um park that thought uh, for the main section, uh, because there's something I want to discuss about that. Uh, Sean? I was just going to say, and then comment, you could just, you could just see uh, someone walking past and go, Oi, did you spill my Labian brandy? <laughs> Yeah, oh, that'd be great. And, then and now I'm getting image- now I'm getting images of the two dust- the two old truckers. You dirty trucker! You, you dirty trucker! <laughs> when you said that, Ben, I was thinking about the uh, self righteous brothers from Harry Enfield. And if that Braben comes in here, I would go, "Oi, Braben, no!" no. Yeah, that's exactly, I think, where they they got the idea from. Um, but obviously the Hasmobital team have gone off and wrapped their own little twist on it. Okay, then. Um, we'll, what we're going to do is we're going to take a, a little break and then we'll come back with a quick discussion about the newsletter. Are you struggling with paying fines? Do you lose sleep in hyperspace worrying about docking at the next space station? If the answer is yes, then you need to call Cowell and McGrath Fine Management Services got scanned while in Federation space and was caught carrying slaves. It was an unexpected expense that I couldn't afford on top of my fines for damage caused whilst docking. We can help you consolidate all your existing fines into a single large fine, payable in regular instalments at what is almost a competitive interest rate. I called Cowell and McGrath Fine Management Services and they helped me pay my existing fines before I got a bounty on my head. They really saved my life. At Cowell and McGrath, we've helped thousands of pilots whose fines had spiralled out of control. I dared not go near a police star system. Got so desperate that I'd almost resign myself to a life of piracy. Luckily, I found Cowell and McGrath's services before I actually murdered anyone in cold blood. No fines too big, no criminal record too damning. We're here to help you. No questions asked. 
find us in the Lave Business Directory. I'd got into debt as a result of a massive counter-lawsuit by Watt and Pritney. It happened because I'd taken advice on Python protection insurance from... Wait a minute! It was you! Carolyn McGrath. Minimum liability, zero accountability. Warning. Balances may go up as well as down. Missed payments may lead to repossession of your ship, seizure of cargo, or the issuing of a death warrant. Space can be lonely. But sometimes, that's just what you want. Choose your holiday. The gas giants of Alioth. Partying the night away in your Philon Aquila. Or even, go back and find your ancestors on Earth. The Rockforth Corporation makes your holiday special. And will let nothing disturb you. Well, after that angelic chorus, we'll, I think we'll discuss Newsletter 225, which came out, obviously, on Friday. Now, the first point that I think has also been mentioned on the, on the forums is that they have published the Focus Feedback Schedule. So, obviously, today we get the first look at Squadrons. Uh, later, towards the end of this month, on the 28th, just after the bank holiday, um, we have a discussion about mining. And then a couple of weeks on after that, we have the exploration slash codex discussion on the 18th of June. Now, obviously, these things are spread out for a reason. I, I take it we're all expecting a lot of heated debate. Um, no, because focus feedback doesn't have any big debate at all. Well, yes, you are quite uh, quite true about that. The whole point of the focus feedback is that you've got to create, craft your message as if you were talking to the developer directly. And it's basically to avoid arguing with other forum members, isn't it? I, I did like what Yamex called his stream earlier on today. Um, he entitled it Forced Feedback. Forced Feedback. <laughs> I like it. I'm. I must admit, I'm. I'm a little bit disappointed in the way the so-called focus feedback is unraveling or is unfolding, shall we say? Because as someone who does workshops and all sorts of stuff like that, as, as a part of living and whatever, it's not really focused and it's not really feedback. What it seems to be is a opportunity for people to um, comment on an existing idea with existing uh, preconceptions and not actually change much at all. Um, so it, it, what it is, it, it's more like a design by the copyist uh, than actually a serious attempt to get detailed player feedback. And I, I know that sounds super harsh, and I know it sounds um, completely horrible, and I know people are going to moan about it, what I'm saying. But if you look at the process, it's not really, I think, optimum in what Frontier could be doing. Hmm, interesting, interesting point. Now, I would actually take your point about the focus feedback in previous sections, you know, for 3.0 uh, 3 especially. Because I think they put that focus feedback out too late. So by the time everybody had chewed it around and tested it, and um, they came back with, you know, obviously some of the parts of engineers and certainly some bits and crime and punishment still needed a, a going over. 
um, they didn't have enough time to actually implement it. This time round, well, they've got plenty of time to sort of spitball this whole thing. I'm, I'm trying desperately to avoid using those management cliches, you know? Because <laughs> this, this is the kind of thing that is, is ideal for these. It's the kind of thing you, you try and start playing management jargon bingo, if you see what we have, What we don't know, of course, is how much work have they done on uh, squadrons, mining and exploration already. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, last time, and yes, perhaps I'm basing my supposition on last time, I guess we'll see, but last time the mechanics were the same, were as, you know, were fixed. The only thing that we, the players, influenced was the numbers to go with those mechanics. So people complained about engineers being too grindy and having to re-roll everything. Mm-hmm. That mechanic actually wasn't changed at all. The only thing that was changed was the number of times it takes you to re-roll. The, the material trader was saying, oh, it, the exchange rates are too poor. So that was changed. The, the settings for the engineer modifications favor old god rolls and we can't make the max so again the numbers were changed the mechanics weren't actually in question at all it was just the numbers and it was the same with the crime and punishment system as well um the mechanics for crime and punishment system weren't actually changed again it was just tweaking values and what i'm concerned about is is that are we now sufficiently down the programming schedule, so the mechanics of squadrons, and they will come onto this, and mechanics of mining, that's going to remain the same. The only thing that's going to change is relatively small details. Mm, I see where you're going. Kurgle? I think, like, I'm quite hopeful that Frontier will take on board the feedback because they've given themselves more time. Whether it's enough time, we'll find out, I guess. But the thing that really worries me is how little information they've given us to critique. Um, And I know we're going to cover that a bit later on in the show in more detail, but just the actual proposals they've asked us to debate or put forward ideas for look more like a request for comments on more ideas to heap on top of it because it feels pretty thin to me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, then. Well, we'll move on from there. We have uh, the live stream lowdown, which was Adam and uh, Ed doing an SRV race. Um, Did anyone see that? Because I must admit, I didn't quite enjoy that. I'm afraid by then I was already knee-deep in paint and screwing. (laughs) You wish. And... Sorry, that reminds me, I've been watching season two of of Jessica Jones, and that comment just totally reminded me of a scene from that, actually. Okay. (laughs) Moving on. Okay, the still spotlight. We've got two new ship kits, the uh, Diamondback Explorer and the Keelback. What do people think of that? I quite like the Diamondback one, actually. It gave it a very insectoid look. Yeah, I don't find the ship kits offensive, but I don't feel a burning desire to um, to stick one on my Diamondback. I quite like the Diamondback Explorer as it is, though, which probably hurts their chances of selling me a ship kit for it. At least we have a spoiler for our Diamondback Explorer, though, so, you know, that has to count for something, surely. Oh, so you can have an iDiamondback Explorer now. <laughs> that makes well, that it all must, worthwhile. That must mean atmospheric landings are close. You'll be getting spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> And actually, it looks awfully like the Dolphins um, spoiler. Maybe. I, 
I think we need less spoilers on ships. I want foldable wings on the on the Beluga, so the wings fold up when you go into the station because they are the bane of my life. <laughs> I thought the Beluga does have something. You just need to learn to fly. The rest of them, rest of us can get a Beluga in the station without touching the sides. It's not about getting the thing in the station. It's about coming out of the station. I mean, to be You're... fair, I'm going to have a little problem getting out of all these ships in a minute, but... <laughs> I thought that when your landing gear was lowered, your wings in the Beluga did um, fold in a little bit. Yeah, the top... Or your tail folds in a little bit, but the ones that stick out all the way out to the sides don't fold in at all. Yeah. Does anyone else find it really ironic, though, that your ship goes off and gets a smaller profile when your landing gear's down? Apart from the fact you've got, like, ten foot of chuffing landing gear below your ship now. Yeah, it's a bit... It is a bit strange, isn't it? Yeah. But actually, if you do get stuck in something, retracting and... uh... It does help, yes. And pulling your landing gear back in to like jiggle your ship out of uh, out of where it's stuck is quite a useful True. tip. True. So, what have we thought about the um, store efforts so far? Is there anything that you think oh, I must spend my money on this, or do you think they've kind of been a bit bland recently? The sort of changes. I mean, I think the content in the store is pretty good, and the more variety they add, they're always going to find someone that wants that paint job that I find hideous. So, you know, put in whatever you like. I think that's a great way of players supporting the game. The thing I'm a bit surprised at is that they haven't relaxed their sort of sales model a little bit. I would love to be able to buy a red paint job for all of my ships rather than 17 red paint jobs. Or um, I'd love to buy a set for all of my ships, if you see what I mean. That would be a nice way to approach the store. Yeah, I'm with you there. I'd like to be able to go off and buy the... Let's say I want to buy the Predator pack. And that gives me the Predator on everything from the Sidewinder through to the through to the Type 10, I guess, or the Imperial uh, Cutter or, or Fed Corvette. Yep. What do you think about... Um... The idea, and I know we've touched on it before, of being able to buy uh, cosmetic skins for in-game credits, you know, a bit like how Guild Wars does or um, EVE with Plex, you know, where you can buy cosmetic items with credits and uh, stuff like that. I don't see a reason why there couldn't be some content like that that you could buy with in-game currency, but I think FDev are small enough and the game player base is small enough that if it was all of their gear, they would just lose too much of their bottom line. It would literally hurt their wallet, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'm, I would have no issues seeing some... I'd say... Okay, I'm being, I'm being very boring here, but you know how we've got the... Oh, the pack that's like all the the bright yellow, green, red, and things like that. And then there's the military, the the dull green, grey, and things like that. Um, yep. I would make those packs, which are frankly a bit boring, available on a buy this for in-game currency, not as a pack, but as a you can go off and buy the dull bogey green color for your chieftain for 10,000 credits, say. Or even better, give me a military paint job for the ship that I'm in as a mission reward for doing an elite combat mission for a military... No, I would... Oh, okay, I'd have no unit. issues if they did that and make it good good things, but you know, we're talking about paint... about pit buying them with in-game credits, so I'd make all the 
the bog standard dull ones available solo as in game credits. But yeah, having excellent things, you know, really nice kits as a elite mission reward, I think that would be great. I'd love I'd love that idea. You know, it's like people getting epic swords or something like that in World of Warcraft, isn't it? Because it's almost like you've maybe the company admits that they lose maybe a sale on doing that, but as a benefit in their instance, they're almost ensuring that player is going to play the game for however many hours they've gated that content at. Well, that, that's right because um, horizontal progression and playing for cosmetic rewards is a powerful motivator to continue to play. Hell yeah. I mean, I mean, the uh, the ability to be the special snowflake uh, in the unique ship um, is a very compelling one for many players. And I think what you've got to look at is the balance between, okay, uh, yes, we may lose the sale, as you say, but counter to that, it means the player keeps longer, going longer, which means they're more likely to buy stuff from the store. Valid gameplay uh, alternative to gear, treadmills, and other such ancient mechanics the other thing is you're never going to have to worry about some horrific balance issue that you've brought into the game by giving someone a paint job for their ship are you yeah although sometimes i do wonder why have a paint job if you're playing solo all the time but anyway because basking i think is the reason for that screenshotage obviously yeah definitely definitely because basking should we move on from ship kits on I, to I the, think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Onto the speed bowl. Weren't one of you guys plunging down into a planet of late? Uh, I wasn't, but I was watching a few people do it, and um, it looked most entertaining. Okay, can you explain what it actually was for me? Because I have to admit, I haven't seen it, and I haven't done it. So can you explain what the speed bowl is actually all about? <laughs> Basically, it's a way of getting your ship up to ludicrous speeds descending into a planet and seeing who can get the fastest before hitting the so ground. So it's like a giant game of, it's a, it's like a game of chicken. Correct, we're with the planet, yes. Are you plunging is it deliberately going into a high G world or was it yeah you know, like I know It's made it's made quicker by a high G world, yes. Right. I know that we were I was having a lot of fun when we were doing those canyon stuff plunging down into the canyons and then you suddenly hit the atmosphere essentially where all the fog is and you can't see sugar and you're just like where the hell's the bottom and then it's a complete game of chicken but you know going down there at 700 meters a second not quite knowing where the the bottom is or if there's going to be a shelf that's going to come out and clip you that was interesting yeah i I did watch some of the hammers try out although they rather unjustly and meanly in my point of, in my, my point of view um, ignored my suggestion of doing it blindfold but, uh... <laughs> well go off and do it blindfold and you have to trust somebody to say start breaking and pull up now yes it would be, be like you know a hell of a trust exercise and so, <laughs> on the other hand it would, wouldn't it also largely depend on, on how many glasses of wine Kate's had that day Possibly, but I mean, <laughs> which could also add a lot of fun to it. I, I even offered to help them out and tell them when to pull up, but somehow they didn't trust me. Yes, but Shan, you also have the bounty re- re- retrieval service, don't you? Oh yeah, recovery service removal service. Yeah, yeah removal. So I, I can understand why they maybe don't trust you. To be fair, Shan, nobody trusts you with what you do to NPCs. 
Well, NPCs don't hurtle towards planets at 8,000 meters per second, do they? Yeah, this is true, but if you do what you do to NPCs, what are you going to do to people that are purposely putting themselves in that situation? Well, You're how just about going trying to, it and to boost out. and go faster. How about trying it and finding out? No, because I'm the kind of guy who will boost and go faster just to see what happens. <laughs> and then blame me for it. But anyway. Yeah, yeah I, 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 it wasn't it me who... your fault for suggesting it. I can't remember. Who was it? I, I thought, hey, I can go do that. And he was in a in a iCourier and I was in my chieftain and I couldn't turn around in time, basically, and went splat at the end of the show. Oh, that was you and... Uh, I want to say... Yes. Whoever. I want to say whoever, but I think I might be right. I wasn't whoever. I'm yeah. sorry, whoever you are, and I do know you, and I can't... maybe? Pardon? Atrus5060, maybe? I'm sure Twitch will... He'll be shouting at me on Twitch probably soon. Twitch is still saying, Toxic's too quiet. Can you turn yourself up a bit, please? No. So, so, Shan, are there proper locations, are there recognised locations you should be doing this, or is it just do it wherever you want to? Well, for the Speedball Challenge, there was a defined location mm -hmm. for it, and there's a... Uh, there's a link in the show notes where um, people can uh, people can go to. I, I think where they uh, where they went to was a planet called the Chi Hydra A7. I think was where the um, comp that's the, the competition. That's the official one. So yeah, if you, if you fancy a go, look at the look at the thread in the show notes. But uh, right. but anyway, um, and how many Chi is that world? I can't remember to be honest. Um, but anyway, I, I command a sandling. Uh, won the first Galactic Speed Championship. Um, and so how, how fast did they go? It's a huge thread, so I can't remember exactly. It was certainly in excess of 8,000 metres per second. That's pretty fast. And Commander Wotherspoon is saying he believes it's an HG world. I'll tell you what would speed you up, actually. What would speed you up? Um, well, if you were in a rental spaceship, you would go significantly faster than if it was your own, wouldn't you? Okay, you'll have to break the... Well, the fastest car on the road is a rental car, isn't it? <laughs> right. No, the fastest anyway, car on the road is on. a stolen car. Stolen rental, maybe. <laughs> anyway, yes. Oh, I'm sorry, we're moving on again, are we? I think so, yeah. Otherwise, we'll never get to the main discussion. We have a main discussion? Oh, yeah, we do, don't we? Um, you forget the main discussion. <laughs> no, I, I know the main discussion is, is Shan Soapbox. Right. Does anyone want to talk about the community goals anyway? No, I, th I, th well, I think they're pretty, pretty straightforward. Yeah. yeah, I know. I went off and I was doing the Vadimo stuff, um, and I was enjoying doing that until the oh, all the what do we call it? The the rare goods started drying up on me. So you you're meant to be able to get like I think it was about a max of sixteen or something like that of one item and a max of twelve of another, and then forty five of the thing that was all the way out to the back of beyonds. And then by Wednesday or Thursday of the week, you were getting about three or four at a time, and it was just like, okay, this isn't worth doing anymore. I just I don't have the time to wait to fill my hole up for this. It's just I, so I got bored, and then I had to go off and do gardening and DIY. So I just I, I just stopped when I realised what it was going to be like, which is a bit of a shame. But I'm not doing anything in this week's CGs. I have to admit, and I don't know if anybody else is. Yeah, I've skipped them this week. I'm being contra contrary with CGs. I, I, if it's a decal, I don't do it because I want. To be, 
I want to be the only ship in the universe not to have a decal. <laughs> You're just being awkward for the sake of it, aren't you? Totally. Yeah. I, Colin? So there were three things in the comms chatter, uh, which I, I thought were, they were quite interesting. We've got Commander Deakley, who's playing ED while deployed in uh, Africa on, on a projecting screen. I thought that was quite a, a good improvisation. Yeah, pretty cool. Uh, no, this is something that, that's very close to my heart. We've got Commander Exgenus showing how to use VR with a RIFCAT and a mobile phone. This is the kind of thing that I do in Top Shift all the time. So basically, it just basically showed you how to use the latest version of RIFCAT to, to get that working in um, in VR. Um, ben, you had a little bit of play around with this lately, haven't you? I was playing around with it a wee bit uh, with my note. Um, the only thing that I was finding, though, I was getting an awful lot of drift on my device, which was proving to be more annoying than I would like it to be. And it's playable, but I don't think I'd actually want to do anything with it seriously. Yeah, it's, it's a good introduction. I don't think it... Um, I haven't had as good results with RiftCat than I, that I have with uh, Trinus. Okay, it's, I had better results with RiftCat. Um but then again, I haven't seen the latest version of Trinus yet, so they, they may, Trinus might have fallen behind. Uh, but I think I was suffering the same issue as you, because basically the, the, the drifting was, was really, really irritating. Uh, and ever since I lost my ED tracker, that's, that's really been winding me up. Uh, but yeah, it, it's, oh, it's a good introduction. I think he needed to go into a little bit more detail about how to set the handset up for a complete novice, because there's a whole stuff about how to tether, how you need to tether the mobile phone. But apart from that, it was a good introduction. And the pixel I do map- think that's the thing that I like, though, about Trinus, and I guess about Andrifcat, is you can also do it over Wi-Fi, and the latency isn't that horrible. Really? I it- found the latency almost unplayable. I didn't have a lot of problems with the latency with... My stuff, but it could just be that my my router is about a meter away from my PC, which is about a meter away from my head. So ah, I see. That, that, it could be because of that. Yeah, I mean, one of the uh, things I did find I had to do is I had to set the zoom function on it quite high. In yeah, order you can't read diddly, can you? You know, you've got to you've got to put the zoom function up quite a bit, and of course, that really does play merry hell with the performances. Yes. As far as yeah, I'd agree there. Well, apparently the Pixel Bandits have got um, some competition for us, because right at this moment in time, they will be holding a CQC competition on the Xbox One. Uh, so if you are on the Xbox, um, we don't advise you to do this, but if, if there is no one run live station, you can always pop over to the CQC and see if you can shoot one of the Pixel Bandits for us. That'd be nice. <laughs> see how they take no. that. You enjoy your, you enjoy your C- CQC stuff anyway, don't you, I do, and I'm glad they're doing stuff on the P- on the Xbox as well. Yeah, I do enjoy the CQC, um, but I must admit, I've I've got to have the hot ass. I, I cannot. Well, believe... you can have your hot ass on your XP One now. Uh, you can't plug it. You might get a. It, yeah, it might not. Go. Oh, can you plug in the X fifty two as well? No. no. Okay. No. So yeah, you, yeah, but you can at least have the, thru- the Thrustmaster hot ass one or whatever they call it on the Xbox. I'm sorry. There's only there only needs to be one at hot ass in the house. 
I think having more than one hot house in the house it might cause problems. It, it, it that's understandable. That is understandable. But but you never know. You could try and justify saying that your son needs it instead. Um, no. 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 He's too busy playing Fortnite. Anyway. Oh well. <laughs> I think it's about time that we hit the main discussion tonight. You can hear Commander Shan beginning to, to warm it up, warm up that soapbox. So, as everybody is aware, the focus feedback for the squadron's evaluation has appeared on the forums. Now, I think it is fair to say that it is pretty bare bones what we've got. So, Ben, do you want to quickly take us through the the, uh, the takeaways you've got from it. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, first of all, we, we, we know a squadron is a group of commanders who want to band together themselves in-game, whether it's to play together, focus on certain types of game hunt, of gameplay, for example, bounty hunting, community goals, or rescuing other commanders who find themselves out of petrol. One thing that I do like with it is you've got tagging of things, so you can you can apply metadata to your group and say, we are an imperial group, or we work in GMT. Uh, and I think that makes a lot of sense. And I, I did like that. That was something I did like about it. I'm glad that at least we've got, essentially, a, a GM and officers and then the plebs. But I think it's a little bit limiting. Uh, there's talk about it being capped at 250 commanders, which, I, again... Myself, like a lot of other people, find quite limiting, probably. And there is talk, obviously, that the squadron can indeed have a fleet carrier, but that's going to get its own feedback forum at a later date. Yeah. Well, where can we really start with this? Because when you look through the whole the whole proposal, first the first thing that jumps out at you is two hundred and fifty uh, commanders. I think everybody was under the impression that basically you could set up your own entire group, so let there be one squadron for the hut and truckers. But it seems that that's there's more than two hundred and fifty truckers. We all know that. Oh, I mean, I I feel quite sadly actually that hi, it's two thousand and one here. This is what I think we should do for guilds. I know it's just the basics, and I know it's just the beginning, but my God, is it bare-boned. And I'm really sorry, Adam. It's, and I really hope there's a lot more ideas you've got in mind, because this needs a lot of work, I'm afraid, buddy. Yeah, uh, I must admit, I mean, I I did notice that on the, the forums, they were saying that they're looking at ways at linking, um, Linking a squadron to, say, a a group like the Hutton Truckers, you know, like a one of the little factions within uh, within the system, that would be make things quite interesting. I would have thought if you could, if everybody who's a, who's allied with the same faction basically were green on the HUD, so that then basically you could you could set up two hundred and fifty um, people's. Uh, squadrons under the, the umbrella of, say, the Hutton truckers. And you just have Squadron 1, Squadron 2, Squadron 3, Squadron 4. Yeah, but the truckers have got, like, thousands of people in them. Yeah, you'd need about... No, and then squadrons. there's Mobius, and... You know, there's a lot of much larger groups that... I, 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 I just don't see what this is actually adding to the game. 
Okay, right. Google? Um, I think that the 250 limit that they discuss in their form posting, I'm hopeful, and the wording really suggests that that is just an arbitrary number that they've picked and that they're going to reevaluate that based on feedback. I'm really hopeful it isn't a serious technical limitation because I can see all sorts of problems where you have some guys and they're like truckers or fuel rats and they go make a squadron up and then you're going to get these fragmented squadrons. Like fuel rats are thousands and thousands of dedicated commanders. Um, Mobius has, you know, four full private groups. It is... They're just not going to cater to large player groups with the sort of numbers that they're looking at. So that is a real serious concern. But also the functionality of it, beyond putting yourself in a list of other commanders and assigning arbitrary ranks to them, it doesn't actually seem to have any gameplay attached to it. There isn't any... There isn't any hooks to make me want to do other stuff with commanders. I was hoping that there would be more integration with wings and multi-crew and getting the bugs between those sorted out so that all of it worked together within squadrons and squadrons would be big groups of wings doing activities. And it just doesn't seem like any of that is in the scope of their um, proposal, really. And that is worrying. Okay. Right. Shan. Uh, deep breath. Okay. Um, I mean, what, a bit of a bit of background is I've been uh, a guild leader and clan leader for too many years, and I seem to remember. So, the usual guild size I've managed has been between uh, four hundred and a thousand players. And probably the game I had the most experience in was Guild Wars One, which is back in two thousand and five. And the structure that and the mechanics of managing a guild that they in the proposal, dates back to 2005. And basically, the game and people's expectations have moved on since 2005. Nowadays, guilds and clans are actually more like Facebook groups in that they are, they're, they're casual, people join, they come and go, depending on their interests in, in, in the game. So people tend to be much more mobile in the clans they join than being belonging to one at a time. And I think that's one of the things that was picked up on is this restriction of only joining one at a time forces players to choose between friends. Because currently in a private group, you know, if I want to go and play with the truckers, I join, I select the truckers uh, private group. If I want to go and play with you guys in lay radio, I'll do lay radio. Or if I want to go on my own with, with people who I want in my group, I go and play with my group. That's the flexibility that players have come to expect in the game. So limiting them to a single um, squadron is, I think, a very bad thing for the game, particularly since what, what, we, what you need is that you need to consider the requirements of a small guild as well as large ones and not have the small guilds in a position where they are forced to either be a larger guild or have their content restricted in some way because if you can only choose one the natural inclination is hey i'll go with a group of people that gives me the most benefit if you if you can join several you can have your close-knit group of friends you just muck around with and then you can have a larger group of people be it fuel rats or truckers or mobius to do the other stuff with and, and having a single choice for that i think is extremely limiting as for the number, I think 250 is far too low 
And just because it's a high number doesn't mean to say you actually have to fill it. So if people say, oh, it'll lead to mega guilds and all sorts of stuff like that, well, maybe, but no one's saying you have to fill your squadron full of 10,000 people. It could be two people, it could be three people, it could be 10. It doesn't matter. It's down to you. So the 250, I hope, is, is, is to say just a placeholder. The other thing that jumped out at me was the management tools for managing your squadron are very, very limited. Like I say, back in 2005 with Guild Wars 1, you had a leader, you had an officer, and you had a member, and that's all you had. And it was a real pain to manage your guild with just those three limitations. Being able to set a custom rank um, is pretty much essential these days. So let's say we have a squadron bank. You may want people who you trust to be able to manage the squadron bank, you know, donate and stuff. And that's all you want them to do. You don't want them to really kick members or join members or whatever. You just want them to do that. Or you might say, well, actually, I want lieutenants who can uh, recruit people and um, you know, advertise and do small groups, but I don't want them to be able to do this and this and this. So guild management with the system they've outlined is extremely limited. And the consequence of having a large number, more than 250, is the lack of flexibility in the tools they're offering make that kind of numbers almost unmanageable, particularly since if you cannot look at the roster and filter, say, by last login date or by activity. Because if you've got a limited number of people, say 250, there's an awful lot of pressure on the guild leader to keep on top of it. Uh, and make sure that people aren't using slots up um, that, that yeah, aren't needed. So you need to have really good management systems. Otherwise, what happens is the the, the guild or the squadron just falls apart. Mm. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm looking through some of the, uh, the notes here. Um, I cannot see anywhere where it says that you can only join one squadron at the same time. There doesn't seem to be anything in the squad goals post that says you can only be a member of one squadron at a time. Um, it does seem that the uh, it's not quite it's not mentioned explicitly, but they say, as I mentioned previously, if a commander accesses accesses the squadron page and is not currently part of a squadron, they have this option to search for one to join. Yes, as in so, just one. Yes, so that's... That needs to be clarified, I think. Yeah, it could be, but this is the fact is, like, if you're not currently in a squadron, you can look for a squadron. Otherwise, well, you see the squadron's page. Good point, good point. Um, it did say that the squadron leader can then delegate privileges to uh, officers. I mean, I take it you want something more complex than that, Jan. Definitely, yes. I mean, let's, let's take my Guild Wars 2 guild, for example. In that, I think I've got seven different ranks. So, yes, it is me as leader. And I've then got, um, if you like, my deputies. And beneath that, I have people who are responsible for arranging events. So, if you like, they're event organizers. They, they can't kick people and they can't recruit people. They're just they're, they're there to lead events. And then you've got, then you've got members who are, if you like, proper certified members they've been through the interview process they've kind of like 
proven they're decent types, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and then we have guests, people who join the guild just to come to an event. And because of the way the game works, you get rewards if you're in, if you're in a guild. So you have guests who join the guild to get the rewards and then they leave again. So uh, that's the sort of custom mechanics I'm talking about. If you, if you haven't got a way to differentiate by the functions you want within the, within the squadron or indeed the, the level at which you want your members to be, it becomes very difficult, particularly when you're talking about uh, potential squadron or guild banks. Yeah. Um, because, for example, you might want to have, and again, this replicates um, what I've done in other games, is you might want to have a group of people who can deposit certain amounts of stuff. So, you know, you say, okay, if it's less than one gold or whatever it is, you, you can deposit less than one gold and you can take out less than, you know, 20 gold or whatever it is. So you can limit what people do. The other important thing, and it's, it's one I think that that's missed, is you need to be able to audit what goes in and what goes out of your, out of your bank and be able to tell who did it. Otherwise, you leave yourself... We don't open. even have word of a bank yet, folks, Shan. We just well, have shared uh, assets. Shared asset, yes. I, mean, I think people, mm. I, I'm assuming there is going to be a bank to help deal with the carrier question, which I guess may come later, because otherwise it becomes a real pain to corporately buy a carrier if you don't have a shared system. Mm-hmm. Or bit. Um, and, and then, of course, well, if you, ha- if you do have a bank, how do you then stop real money transfers? How do you make sure that they don't circumvent the material trader? All these sorts of questions need to be considered when developing squadrons. And from what I've seen at the moment, we haven't had any kind of inkling of that kind of necessary complexity and flexibility to make the system work as games are in 2018. Okay, Kurgle? I wonder if well i we're basically all assuming that these are being put in like guilds aren't we and i wonder if our vision of what squadrons are is somehow maybe frontier are not communicating their design well in their initial forum post it just seems so basic yeah i i understand where you're coming from ben I think just coming back to Shan's bank thing, and I frankly couldn't give a shit about the gold farmers and people sharing materials. If they want to ruin their own game, let them. It's not my problem. Well, it probably it could be my problem when some quad goes off and buys, you know, goes off and buys himself an anaconda that he can then fully go off and engineer and everything like that. But I can avoid him, so. Yeah, if I would rather have the ability to say, hey, Shan, you're needing some jumpomium. Well, I've got some in my holds. Come and get it and, and everything like that. You know, I have no issues having the ability to share materials, share commodities, share money between people and... Even if it's only within a bank, I would be totally and utterly happy with that. Um, obviously, mean, obviously, it would need to be audited, and you need records of who puts in, who takes out. But uh, don't let gold farming stop a good feature. I think the only thing that really... I think the way Frontier will approach a bank, if we even get one, because they don't really mention it in the forum post, do they? 
But if we get a guild bank, I think the only thing members of a squadron will be able to do is put money into it. And I think the only thing the officers will be able to do is spend the money in that guild bank on upgrades for that guild. I don't think there will be any way of taking money back out again for, you know, other than through the interface of spending that squadrons gives you. Well, the thing that I am a little bit interest concerned about is that maybe they don't haven't uh, they haven't actually communicated the the whole scope just yet i mean there's the absolute bare bones has come out i mean to me it seems that we have the squadron leader who will be god and then you'll have the officers i think i mean correct me if i'm wrong here shan but the kind of thing that you're after is a kind of custom officer role so your commander you 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 create a activities they can do as a squadron and also for a squadron of any size and in my view the rewards should be the same per person from a small squadron to a large squadron otherwise what will happen is everyone will just run off to the large squadron and get rich and whatever so there should be a whole range of activities not just the combat and fedex stuff we see in wing missions now. Basically, it needs to be something that differentiates the squadron from other activities. Otherwise, why have it? Yeah, I mean, we've already had that point from, uh, I think it's Wiltlich on the forums. At present, he says, most pre-existing squadrons are something akin to Discord or or other on-the-shelf programs where people have organised themselves pretty much quite well. I mean, you just have to look at the sovereignty. They've done a fantastic job at at creating an organisation. But, yeah. Okay. Kurgle, have you got to... Yeah, well, I was just going back to something Shan just said then. I wonder if there is a danger if the... um, if squadrons are our gateway to huge ships, like fleet carriers or whatever, Will the large private groups take the opinion, oh no, we can only get 250 people in a squadron, over, oh my god, we can get 8,000 fleet carriers? Mm. Yeah, that, I mean, the thing that I, that I got a little bit confused about with is, is that I don't consider, I, I, I don't know whether or not you lot will agree with me, but I don't consider Mobius to be a, I know there is a, an in group. But Mobius is, is, as far as I'm concerned, the PVE environment. And within that PVV, PVE environment, I'd expect to have squadrons. I don't think... I mean, yeah, Mobius can set up their, their own squadron, but... It's, it's like Mobius is maybe a bad example. If you take an organised player group that are actively working towards one goal, will it be better for them to have one group where all of their members are in this guild or will it be better for them to have 50 of these groups so that they can have 50 carriers Mm. the group i was thinking of was uh, the cannon uh they are a really large group with a with a defined purpose but they are split into different areas different divisions if you like aren't they so are, are you saying that particularly if it's just one person per squadron so you know you have the uh i forget the divisions in canon but basically if you have lots of divisions with the same purpose would you then have to have a different squadron for each of those divisions 
and how do they then communicate in game with each other? Because at the moment, and again, this, this goes back to what's been outlined, is it seems as though there is going to be some sort of limitation as to the persistence of messaging. And one of the reasons why people like Discord uh, for Guild and whatnot chat is because your messages are persistent. You don't have to be online to see what was going on or see the announcements and stuff. So the question I've got regarding communications with squadrons is, well, if it's not persistent, if you have to be online, if you have to be in the same system or whatever limitation you've got, why wouldn't you use Discord for that? How does, how does that actually benefit having it in-game? There isn't one, basically. Um, yeah, sorry to be a bitch, but the re- I, I'm really not seeing a benefit. Uh, the the benefit I see is, hey, we've got a group of a thousand players all pulling towards the same team, even if we are split into subdivisions. But instead of being one group, we're now five of them. Well, that's shit. Um, and all oh, same with the same with the fuel rats. Okay, fine. You've got people who are in the core. You've got people who are in the out out of the back and beyond. We've got people supporting Colonia. Well, we could be in the fuel rats. Or we could be in three desperate groups, maybe four, maybe five. But again, you're, playing, you're splitting your player base. That's not what being part of a group should be about. Yeah, I, I just it's 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 artificially limiting what who your friends are, and that sucks. Well, the one thing that I mean, this is at one point where. Uh, I'm going to have to make two very important points. The first point is that they have said, right, we're setting this at 250 and seeing how you how you react to that. And at the moment, I think everybody has come to the conclusion, no. And the second point is that it does seem that the whole point of getting the squadron is to do with the fleet carrier, which we haven't, or the, the shared resource. We haven't had any details on that yet. Until we get more detail, I'm not quite so sure. I mean, we could debate the the, the structures left, right, and centre, but until we can see what the, the end objective is, I think we'd be just going around in circles. Okay, so what what would we like to see come out of fleet play that we don't already get with wings or Discord groups? Slash websites where you can say, "Hey, I'm in this. I'm I'm now a member of the Hudson Truckers." Something yeah. I'd like to see in, like my ideal dream squadrons, I want to be able to scoop up a whole bunch of wings. Give me an arbitrary number of wings. I want to be able to set a galactic waypoint for my squads. I want all of my players to land in that instance, and I want to take out a giant Thargoid spaceship. That's the sort of thing I want from squadrons. I don't want a list of 20 players with an arbitrary rank. You know, that yeah. just seems like a pointless categorization exercise and no real gameplay added. Ooh, I think we've lost Kurgle there for a second. I think Kurgle has died. Yes. Uh, actually, because Yamix is here. Yamix, you should jump. No, no, hang on. No, no. I, I, I want Yamix to actually come on and do his thing that he does. <laughs> About well, squadrons, I think that would be. I think that would be hilarious he, if Javik wanted to do it. He did it on stream earlier. Yeah, Sean, you've, you've got a carrier soapbox as well. Well, we're, 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 we don't, we don't have any details about these things yet. Well, okay, I will. I will say uh, only um, 
one sentence to do with carrier sentence, if you don't know. Um, they need to offer more than a space station, otherwise there's no point of them being there. Um, and if they're just a mobile carrier spaceships, then it's pointless having one. Yeah. Now, that was one of the things that I wanted to bring up. Now, one of the things that um, I've always preferred or always, I've always liked is that when you go in, on an MMO and you've got a guild, you only have a guild hall or something like that, where you all go and you, you socialize with other, other people. Now, I was wondering whether or not if they have one of these um, uh, one of these fleet carriers, whether or not there would be an area for uh, commanders to sort of, like, like they do in, in, uh, in multi-group, where they all sort of beam in and, and basically have a, a discussion or a, a bar area. Because, let's be honest, we'd all like to meet down the bar. Yes, we'd like to uh, offer, uh, say hello to a, a Commander Yamex, who is a very filthy, my, filthy-minded and potty-mouthed commander, <laughs> who's very famous for videos these days. Welcome to the, the podcast. For a second there, I thought that you are going to call me a filthy casual. No, no <laughs> I am, by the way. But you are a filthy casual. Whatever. I just like to know if Yamix has been listening to our rants, or has he just sort of joined at the a end? A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. So, uh, okay. The, the whole idea of uh, squadrons not adding any gameplay now, so what? So, so what's the, what's the problem there? Uh, really, when when it comes down to building up community, building up uh, people you can uh, play with, talk with, and so on and so forth, this is uh, basically guilds are essential, extremely useful tool to just basically do that, allow people to do it without the need to go out on the Googles and ask and uh, search for these things. You can do that right there in the game, and build the community through there. I've been part of a big, uh, you know, outfit in Planetside, and that was mainly one thing w- uh, what made the outfit in Planetside that big, that you could easily do it in-game. And for me, as I look at uh, squadrons, all I, all I ask is basically, make, give me a guild, ability to list members of it, and I'll be just fine with admin, with, of course, with administrative tools here and there, and that's about it. Just simple base, and there you go. And that way, you build, you know, community com- connection with other people, and therefore keep players playing longer. Because guess what? This game is really low on, you know, cooperative gameplay quite a bit. And this is a step towards it, which is highly necessary. So, and I can, what I do you think about agree. the limit of 250 players? Because that, for me, even uh, to uh, me... It's, it's an arbitrary level. number. To me, uh, it looks like an arbitrary number that they put up just to see what people think. Uh, it will be changed uh, as uh, things tend to change when uh, they uh, you know, put out, aside from material uh, traders, which I wanted to see change, but lo and behold, they did not. Uh, regardless, regardless. Now, when it comes down to the whole idea of uh, limiting fleet carriers, uh, Zach jumped in on my stream by the end of it, and I was like, and I asked him about it, and he had really no answer to it, unfortunately. So, uh, 
Well, okay, fine. He's probably not the best person to ask this anyways, but regardless. Uh, <sighs> it's a bad thing. Overall, it's a horrible thing. I don't understand why they couldn't make it infinite. Absolutely preposterous, because the only real answer I have is either A, incompetence in coders, or B, server storage these days is so expensive, every byte costs like a quid. I f*** you not. That's essentially where we're at. And that's why we love AWS. Is this this where we're at? No, this is not where we're at. So, again, why? That's, That's one of my major... Four questions I have from the whole thing. Well, one of the reasons I... why Mobius had to split was they hit the uh, twenty. It doesn't 000, matter who it they? is. Uh, well, the, the limit was twenty thousand. It wasn't a private group, and that broke the, that the code of the servers. To me, again, if there's a limit, uh, no, no, just no. Put off that limit and give us infinite big squadrons. That's it. So everyone can be joined. We don't need sister squadrons for every single one of them. Right. That's basically all that's going to happen. Okay, Kurgle, can you jump in there? Yeah, I mean, I think that the the basic structure of having a guild in the game is not a bad thing. I think you're right. That will help build communities and it will give people answers to common questions when they're starting out in the game. That side of it is good. The arbitrary limit is a problem, but I think you're right. I think that they will just change that based on the feedback. It, it just doesn't... And, like, although there are positives from having a guild structure in the game, it doesn't feel like there's an awful lot of it there to give them feedback about, which is what they seem to be asking for. Uh, I was expecting a lot more weighty stuff that we could give them feedback on. I'm gobsmacked that there isn't any mention of, like wings being integrated into squadrons or being able to run campaign stuff or being able to drop squadron waypoints for your wings to all meet up in somewhere or even the ability for more than 16 players to meet up in an instance if they're in a squadron to do something i mean i wonder if the 250 limit that they've mentioned is just related to the fact that the game can only fit so many people in an instance and that number at the moment is pretty damn small right well the one thing that i do have to is that this is very early on in the development process, I, I think. Um, at this moment in time, we've got nine months before this is due, really, isn't it? Well, I don't know, eight months until it's due, say, say in sometime in December. Now, that, to me, does feel like it's got about a, about a month to evaluate how everything is going as, with the focus feedback. And and then they've got the rest of the time to actually code it and refine it. I think at this point, they've put out bare bones just to see where it goes. And I think, and what I'm afraid of... They're fishing for if, information. That's yeah. a uh, theory that I have. Let's just call it that. Well, you see, this is the thing, because if, they, if they'd gone ahead and implemented their system, I think they've been... Um, kicked around quite a lot because they've put stuff out and as soon as it's come out everybody's ripped it apart and this time they're doing it a bit different saying okay this is where we're starting and we're going to try and mould it as we go along I have to admit I really really hope you're right about that and I I think I agree with you in Yamak that's why this has come out so early 
trample over it, basically, and then Frontier can say, Aha! Well, how about this? Yeah, I was, I was going to ask the question, though. I, I completely agree with uh, Ben and Yannick that I hope they've kicked it out early as, as a concept and there isn't actually any coding and stuff that has happened already, and I hope that's the case. However, the question I have is, it's, if you think about it, it's a, it's a fundamental change to the way the game is going to work. As you say, with instancing, with grouping, with communications, it's a big job to put these in, to put this structure in something that's already in place without breaking everything else. And I'm just wondering whether the functionality has been locked down in terms of an overview. Um, and what we're seeing is, if you like, the next layer beneath that. So we're saying, yes, it's simple, it's this and this and this. I'm just wondering how much coding has actually started, because it's May, May now. It's not that long to go to change the game so, so fundamentally, to be honest. Okay, Yamex. Oh, right. So, uh, well, okay, so uh, Frontier Expo happened. Now, um, yeah, I did take a look at uh, things that they announced, and uh, as they announced the whole squadron thing, I looked at it, I was thinking to myself, uh, next to me, DJ was just uh, spazzing out and, and, and just raving about it. I'm, I'm, I'm like looking at it, thinking, uh, what? Where's the info? We got a picture and we got the, like two names. Fleet carriers and squadrons, that's it. What? What's that? What will it do? What? And, and at that point, it felt like basically a last-second idea that they cooked up in the meeting room, in the same meeting room that they cooked up uh, the whole uh, roadmap, which looked like a really early on, quickly uh, pushed out image. And, and Okay, that's my, again, conspiracy theory, let's just say so. <laughs> so, uh, to me, the squadrons look like the last-second idea. Oh, what could we implement? Oh, people want uh, guilt. Let's do that. Uh, or or perhaps I might be wrong, and of course they might just uh, need, uh, or they wanted to already implement it uh, earlier on, but now they have a point or something uh, uh, where they can do. Okay, I know. Uh, the, well, the one interesting thing that I was going to say is that um, because we haven't got any details about the um, about the fleet carriers, I was there thinking, what would happen it's good lave radio speculation here. What would happen is if the fleet carriers could do something that nothing else could, say, for instance, take out a Thargoid hive ship and nothing else could, would that be a, a viable goal for people? No. Well, that you want to expand one. on that then, Col- uh, Shan or Colin? No, I think that one killed that one straight dead. The reason why I say no is because what it then does is it then drives players into a certain set of behavior or a certain profession or something. I, you want to take down the hive ship, you have to belong to a squadron, and this squadron then has to have a suitably equipped carrier to do that. I, I think it's exclusive stuff. I think I would rather, if it was a hive ship, being able to engage it with different sorts of ships and different sorts of uh, tactics. Almost call it a raid boss for argument's sake. Yeah. Um, because one of the, one of the core things about Elite and the fundamental basis of it is it's about the commander. It's not about the the flotilla or the empire or the federation per se. The fundamental of the game is you, the commander, as a player, how you choose and and whatnot. That's the fundamental basis of it. 
So having something that needs a certain structure or something to happen, not a huge fan of it. Although, you know, you can argue to and for and against it, I guess. Well, you see, I mean, this is the point. I mean, one of the most fun I've had with Elite lately is the fact that I'm weighing up with people and taking on Thargoids, and I'm thoroughly enjoying this cooperative element about taking out Thargoids uh, with with a couple of friends of mine. And I was just putting out the idea that if you're going to end up with bigger baddies, if you like, and people need bigger things to do, that's the kind of thing that I would have expected it to, to go. I'm kind of a bit grumpy about bigger baddies because it, it's almost like without any kind of personal involvement, you know, a protagonist or antagonist, then all it is is just ramping the threat level up. You know how you, how you get like in the film where, you know, they, they defeat, I don't know, this particular baddie who wants to destroy New York. And the next film it's destroy America. The next film it's destroy the world. The next film it's destroy the universe. And they just keep ramping up bigger and bigger baddies. Without actually, well, I'm not, I'm not talking about <laughs> particularly, but they just ramp up the, the baddies to such a stupid level. And without that level of personal engagement in the story, it's just meaningless. It's a power creep, essentially, as people call it. It is. Yeah. Bigger, better, bigger, better, bigger, better. There you go. Yeah, well, the, the, the other, it, I mean, it does tie into this other issue that a lot of people have been complaining about, which is burnout. People well, that happens regardless. Question is, how quickly? Yes, I mean, admittedly, I haven't burnt out, but then again, I haven't hit 2,000 hours yet. People have burnt out when they're, and they say, I've been playing this game for 3,000 hours, and all of a sudden, I'm, I've had enough. So and it's, fair, it's not on, necessarily the amount of hours that you play. It's um, more what you're doing in it. Because I I did a Quality, yeah. run to Sagittarius A, and that playing eighteen hours flat doing nothing but jump, honk, scan, scoop, rinse and repeat, burnt me out. It, yeah, it, 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 it took me a good couple of months to get back. But you know that's that was just because I did that one style of gameplay for eighteen hours flat. You know I could quite have easily have burnt out by going out and doing combat for 18 hours flat just as quick but that's just 18 hours you know, forget 2000 this was eight, 18 hours flat I think I'd played for 600 hours at the time and then I just decided okay. I've got Sagittarius A so I'm going to go yeah. to Asper Explorer without going on to a potential main topic um, about burnout which I think we could talk about all evening again oh, yeah, um, easily I, I think that there's, a, there's two fundamental sorts of players. Um, and oh, I was fortunate to have a shout-out on Obsidian Alex video last week uh, about an article I wrote um, in the Powerplay beta some three years ago where I talked about the two different sorts of players are the content consumer, i.e. something new happens, they run in and they, they do the content and they consume it almost faster than it can be produced. And then there's content um, contributor or creator in which they, they look at what's ava available and they generate their own content. So, for example, the stuff Yamex does, that's a content creator because the actual stuff to do in the game 
it, it's there and it's the same for everyone, but just people like Yamex and the player groups that we see, they've got creative ways of generating content from the tools that are available. And what certainly Elite was in the early days, it was very focused towards a content creator. Um, so content creators tend to like uh, sandbox. They tend to like tools that enable them to help create content. Content consumers tend to like grind. They tend to like um, just, if you like, keeping the wheels turning. They, I, it sounds derogatory, but I always think content consumers are like a content locust. They come in, they consume content almost as soon as it's out, and then they fly away again to somewhere else, complaining there's nothing left to do. And I think what's happened with Elite, and when I wrote the article back in uh, for Powerplay, we'd seen the first signs of it. I think the game has shifted focus from being content creator-friendly to content consumer-based. And I think that's why we're seeing people saying, oh, there's nothing to do and this and this and this, because the mindset of the majority of players has switched from uh, creator to consumer. Okay. Ben? Well, I was just saying that I was just actually responding privately to Shan that I would actually say that the hammers are content creators rather than us and ourselves and Yamex and Obsidian Ant and everyone else because they're creating content in game and what we do we're creating content obviously but we're creating content out of the game you know pulling people into YouTube or into into Twitch and things like that. Hmm. Okay, what I'm going to do is uh, we'll all have a, a quick one little, uh, if we can sum it up, one-liner, see what, what what you would want to be added to the bare bones that we've already got. So we'll start with uh, Ben. Get rid of any arbitrary thing. Let us... Okay. Kurgle? Uh Yeah, remove the arbitrary limits and try and give as many tools as you can to groups to organize their players. Shan. Look at what successful MMOs um, in 2018 are doing with guilds and content, not what MMOs did in 2005. Uh, Dr. Toxic? It's just got to be good. It's just got to be good. It can't be like some riff of what other games have done. It's just got to be good. Okay, and yam it. Yeah, pretty much the same. Just don't f*** it up. Don't make it into... <laughs> yes! Yo, it's yeah. dropped the F-bomb. What? Is there don't worry, we, 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 no, we, we f*** it up all the time as well. Yeah, the, the thing, yeah, the, the end part I would say, just don't make another multi-crew. <laughs> yes. I, I, I wish we could have multi-crew. I love, mul- I love the potential of multi-crew. It oh, just everything yeah. has potential, my friend. Everything yes. has. I know. I just, I, I, I want it done right. Okay. Well, before we go off into a multi-crew run, because basically that's what I'd end up doing. I think on that f bomb, we will leave the discussion uh, and go to the community corner after a break. The Federal Navy. We want you for Adventures Unlimited. Just last week I was mixing Sidewinder Slammers at a CD space bar. I wasn't even pilot registered. And now I have a ship and a basic starting mission for the Federal Navy. Owing to recent actions in the Lave region, the Federal Navy now seeks to recruit another 1,000 entry-level pilots. I'm going to see the galaxy. We have missions for all pilots, regardless of combat experience or flight hours. 
come and talk to us and we'll get you on the military ladder. Join the Federal Navy. Make a real pilot of yourself. Or die trying. Wait. What's that? Is that, is that a ship coming? Are they looking for me? What do they... Want to tour the frontier? Travel with Colmac Reeve and our new fleet of passenger starliners. We've opened up the universe for a range of budgets. Option one, luxury. My husband and I like to travel in comfort. The new luxury cabins were like a home away from home. After all, one's home is a castle. Option two, first class. We'd saved up a bit for a really special trip. The first class cabins were like nothing we've travelled in before. Really luxurious. Option three, travel cabin. We won a trip with Cormac Reeves' monthly lotto. A travel cabin for two on a starliner around the solar system. Once in a lifetime for us, simply amazing. Option four, basic accommodation. Me and my mates just wanted to pitch around the universe. It's so great that we have the option of getting a really cheap cabin to see the sights. It saved us loads. And for the budget conscious and slaves, we have our cheapest option yet. Well, I needed it. And we won't sell any of those frozen passengers into slavery. I promise. Call Mac Reeves All Budget Tours. Seeing the galaxy from luxury to freezing tubes. Get ready. L-A-V-E Radio. And welcome back. Um, what we'll do is we'll just quickly go through the community corner that has been happening this over the last uh, week or so. So um, first up, we've got Obsidian Ant. Now, he's gone and done a, a retrospective of the original Kickstarter way back in 2012. Oh, my God, that long ago. Um, has anybody else seen this one? Because I, I was quite... I kind of missed it. Like, <laughs> Over fields. Um, I, I, I saw it, and it, it reminded me, actually, you know, the very, very first episodes of Lave Radio from, oh, well, January, February, or something like that, of 2013, when all we had was speculation, and my God, it is so much fun to speculate about a game without having to worry about this little thing called implementing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did kind of kind of run away with it. Mm. Uh, yeah, so yeah, so Obsidian has gone and uh, gone over the original uh, the Kickstarter. I must admit, I think I put in my original bid. I think two days just before it actually passed the finish line. Uh, but uh, yeah, they, I I do believe I missed out on all the oh, it's not going to pass bits. I mean, were you there from the very beginning, Ben? <laughs> I wasn't there from the very, very beginning, but I was there from about two or three weeks into into the Kickstarter campaign, and I'd placed my initial... Oh, I, I, as I've said to other people in the past, I usually try to go with the bid that'll get me the music of the game as well, and I, I placed that as my initial opening bid for, I think it was £35 or something like that, mm-hmm. and I'll not admit to anything else on air. 
yes. No, exactly. Uh, so yeah, I placed my initial bid for thirty-five pounds, and then I did go through the whole: will it go up? Will it? Will we make it? And of course, by this time, we did. We already had that that other uh, Star Citizen game mm. had already crossed the line at that point. Um, so that had made it, and I was, I was kind of looking forward to that, and I still kind of am. I did go through the whole, will we, won't we, and I was delighted when we did eventually make it over the line, uh, and I did join in on some of the other, the Kickstarter for a Kickstarter kind of things, like the Drew's book and things. Yeah, I mean, there was all the, the fiction packs and, uh, yeah. of course, Days RPG and all that kind of stuff that, that, seemed, that helped push it over the line. Well, exactly. Yeah. I, do. <laughs> I hate to think of how much I bid it altogether on, on all the different Kickstarter projects. Yeah, there there are some things best not worked out. Yes. Okay. I mean, <laughs> I'm I'm just seeing in the show notes that we've got all these fantastic merged ships. Obviously, this is <laughs> we've got we've got the Veagle and the Okobra. I, th- I think they look fantastic. Uh, do you think that they could do for for ship? Designs. I think some of them look surprisingly good, especially the Okobra. I I would buy that actually. I I would buy an Okobra. <laughs> yeah, so we've got to thank because uh, yeah, we've got Commander Auschwitz. Oh great, <laughs> he's, he's put one up, uh, which is the uh, the Freegal. Yeah, that. I mean. Obviously, it's just screenshots from when the game has gone crazy wonky, but they're really compelling, aren't they? They look pretty good. So, I mean, so it does work surprisingly well, some of these. Uh, it probably makes for podcast material, but we'll, po- we'll include the links in the show notes. And, yeah, just basically go off and picture somebody smooshed together a cobra and an orca. Or, is that an orca or is it a dolphin? I think it's actually... Well, I don't know, actually. Right, well, the next thing on the list is, well, there's a follow-up to Gaze 1.7 billion star map, which was released. Uh, Fraser Kane, publisher of Universe Today, posted a follow-up video, which we'll include in the show notes, which mentions the possibility of the data arriving in Elite. Um, Commander Kurgle, you got details on this? Yeah, I mean, if you don't watch Fraser Kane on YouTube, if you're a fan of, like, astronomy, first of all, you should go and check out his channel. He does, like, an astronomy podcast. And it's really a follow-up from a story we ran last week about this Gaia dropping, like, so much data on all these stars. And he mentions exactly what we mentioned on our show, in that there is a real possibility we'll actually see this data showing up in Elite at some point. And, um... There are a few hundred of those star systems that they've mapped in which there is planetary data extracted. And you never know, they, they, you genuinely might have some person. There's like 1.7 billion star systems worth of data there to go through. You might have someone in Elite be the first person that actually finds a real planet in the Milky Way from the data we've collected off Gaia. That would be so cool. Yeah. Uh, we've also got in the show notes, there's a screenshot. I was talking to Dr. Toxic about this on Discord while we were doing some wing missions over the weekend. Um, the fact you can actually see some of this real scientific data in the galaxy map if you go and look for it. So there's a screenshot of one of the nebulas just off the galaxy map I took. And you can see like a regular line of stars in a big cluster that look unnaturally... 
um, regular compared to the background around them. And that's data from a scientific observatory where we've got real-world data injected into the background sim. And as you can see, the stars are actually a lot denser than they are in most of Elite Dangerous, which is true. The galaxy in Elite Dangerous is like 10% less dense or something than the real galaxy just for the background sim processing. Ah, well, it's funny you should mention that because as far as tagging planets that already exist existed, I managed to get Kepler-86 before anybody uh, managed to get out there. So I've already managed to tag uh, what they know is an existing planet out there and I'm the, I'm the, I don't know whether I was the first one to do it, but... Uh, That's pretty uh, awesome. If you do fly out uh, to PH2 or uh, KOI-3663, um, you'll, you'll find um, PH2, which is a massive gas giant in the Goldilocks zone, and was the first planet to be discovered in the Goldilocks zone. So I'm, I'm quite proud of that one. Um, <laughs> moving on... And we've got Alec Turner. He has now gone and done a new and improved best of the forums. Oh, wow, what a list that is. Ben? I know nothing about this. I have seen... I haven't seen it. Oh. Uh, I, I, I was going to say, yeah, I'm, I'm a frequent listener to the podcast that Kurgle was talking about, the astronomy cast with Fraser Kane and Pamela Gay, which has been... That's been around, well, doc, sorry, Dr. Pamela Gay, which has been around for coming up 500 episodes now. Yeah, it's a really um, good podcast. But I, I, I haven't seen what Alex been, has been up to of late, I'm afraid, Colin. All oh, right, well, he's going to reorganise the Best of the Forum thread, and it is a long, long Best of the Forum thread, so uh, fair play to, um, to Alex there. Um, okay, we're going to just give out some uh, quick shout-outs. First of all, we'd like, we've got apologies from Commander Thane. Uh, his daughter's been stuck down by uh, Thargoid Pox. So the Lave Revolution trailer we were hoping to have for everyone tonight isn't available yet. So uh, watch this space and, you know, well, space in general. As usual, we'll give the usual shout-out to LaveCon 2018. It's on between the 8th and 10th of June. We still have tickets. I do believe gold tickets have become available again just for a little while. Uh, apparently, we've had some cancellations. So if you want to check on the website, fingers crossed. We've got, of course, the CQC Discord, where um, if you want to go and uh, take on other commanders in CQC, go to the um, Discord Me Elite Dangerous CQC server, and hopefully you'll be able to find a match or two. We've got EDWTRB, which will help you wing up, group up with an RPG group, trade and bounty hunt. And we've got to say, get well soon to Paige Harvey's little toe. What did she do to her little toe, Ben? Well, Paige went off and she's on a holiday. And managed to break a little toe. Oh. So, yeah, I, I, I have hopes that her toe is going to come back with advanced superpowers, but we will see. Fair enough. And oh, how do you pronounce this one? Commander... Gaggy? Gaggy, yeah, possibly. Yeah, Commander Gaggy, we do apologise for murdering your name. Thank you for flying 40 jumps just to join us outside in the leave station. Um, so, of course, next we up we have our fantastic Galnet news from uh, Commander Pete Witherspoon. That's it for another episode of Lave Radio. 
If you'd like to get in touch with the show, then you can email info at laveradio.com, facebook.com slash laveradio, laveradio on Twitter, and you can join the Discord chat channel by going to discord.io laveradio. Or you can join our TeamSpeak server, where commanders like to come out and chat at teamspeak.laveradio.com. Lave Radio is recorded uh, on a Tuesday evening at half past eight and streamed out on laveradio.com slash live. So thanks to Ben, thanks to Shan, thanks to Dr. Toxic, and thanks to Commander Kurgle, and special thanks to uh, Commander Yamix for making an appearance. Uh, thanks to those commanders who have joined us outside Lave Station. So until next time, fly safe. And if you can't do that, fly dangerous. Digest, 8th of May 3304. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news, the League of Reparation, the Futures Past Megatour, Pilots Federation loosens its grip, Bob Ross in space. The League of Reparation. That impeccably fair detective agency, the Imperial Internal Security Service, or I2S2, has successfully eliminated its only lead in the Senator Cartesius case by gunning down the assassin. The unnamed assassin, alleged to have once been a member of the Imperial Guard, is believed to have been hired by a shadowy and villainous organisation called the League of Reparation, an organisation that appears to desire justice for the victims of INRA's crimes, and that the best way to achieve this 
is to assassinate the grandchildren and great-grandchildren of people who once worked for INRA. A form of rough justice which is completely in keeping with the imperial approach to such matters. The victims of INRA's crimes are believed to be Commander John Jameson and the entire Thargoid race. Does the League of Reparation represent not just Commander Jameson, but also our betentacled neighbours from the Pleiades? At least the Thargoids are nicer than the Imps. The Future's Past Megatour Commanders All Crows Are Black and the Demon Wolf of the Paradox Wing are planning a megatrip to the megaships. They plan to visit all nine known sub-lightspeed generation ships on Sunday the 20th of May in a supersized convoy to relive the terrible fates that befell the inhabitants of these ships and to commemorate those who died. Commander All Crozer Black reminds us that statistically we must all have had relatives on these nine megaships, all of which suffered at least one, sometimes many thousands, of casualties. The ships to be visited include the Atlas, the Artemis, the Hyperion, the Lycaon, the Lazarus, the Odysseus, the Pleione, the Thetis and the Venusian. All of these ships have information points that can be used to recover valuable historical records about the fates that befell them. All present-day commanders are welcome to attend. Bring a small ship with a decent jump range and a fuel scoop. And a picnic. The Pilots' Federation loosens its grip. After many years of keeping a tight control over organised gatherings, the Pilots' Federation says it's now willing to discuss allowing commanders to organise in groups larger than wings of four. The new organisational structure, the squadron, will be restricted to a much larger number of commanders, set tentatively at 250, who will share a common goal. Squadrons will have access to a fleet carrier, which can be upgraded, and which can jump between systems on the orders of an officer of the squadron. The Pilots' Federation has invited comments and has received some. The proposed limit of 250 commanders might be an issue for large groups such as the Hutton Truckers, especially as a squadron setup fee will be charged for each squadron. And there are concerns that cyber squatters might reserve the names of well-known groups. But the promise of a communication system that allows all squadron members to communicate is a very, very attractive offer. Bob Ross in Space Commanders are reminded that the closing date for submitting artwork to be displayed on billboards throughout the inhabited galaxy is fast approaching. There's one week left if you want to see your advert for MEDB Star Lube, Mojo King Beast Feast or Conga Ale glittering amongst the stars. You could create a poster encouraging unsuspecting commanders to emigrate to Colonia. 
a recruiting poster for the League of Reparation, or a poster promoting peace and reconciliation between Thargoids and the charred remains of humanity. All happy little accidents will be very welcome. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News, we read the news so you don't have to.